Welcome to Guardians of the Family. We're so excited to be back with you again. As many of you know, Amy just lived through Hurricane Harvey, and thank goodness they didn't flood. Um, but that I'm so glad that we're still dry, but it has disrupted life pretty significantly here in Houston. Yeah, so we just took time off and let their family uh, recover from that, and so that's why you haven't heard from us for a while. But we're back now. We're excited to be back, and we've got the rest of the year planned out. So, yay! I know I'm super excited for what we have coming up, and we are less than 90 days from the end of the year, which is oh my goodness, crazy! So today we are discussing an article called "The Beauty of Femininity," and I'm going to be saying that word wrong through the whole podcast. I know I will be, but this article is by. Donna Goff, and I purchased this article. It was part of um, a whole set of articles that she wrote for um, her thesis in school or something. And so I purchased it from Donna, and I really enjoyed it. And especially this this um, part of the part of it that we're going to be discussing today. And I contacted her to see if we could purchase this article for everybody to be able to download. But she said. It's not on her website anymore. Her website crashed, but that she's going to be compiling it into a book. So we will be happy to um, share that information when that book comes out. We'll share that information with you, but you can find her at um, her website is called Mentoring Your Own. And so she has a lot of homeschool um, things for you homeschool moms out there. Um, so check her out. And... Yeah, so we're going to be talking about femininity today, which is kind of a loaded, it's kind of a loaded um, topic. I think as we've gone through this yeah. and we've been really we've talking, had a about, lot of discussion on it. We have trying <laughs> to figure out how do you, how do you weed through all of the information about femininity, both positive and and negative, and the uh, yeah. And so we're, I'm going to apologize in the beginning if this seems a little bit disjointed since we can't read our whole article. So we're, we have different points that we want to bring out. So hopefully it doesn't skip around too much and you can follow what we're talking about. <laughs> and her first line, so this is the first line in this article. And she says, in our gender neutral society, it may seem odd or even backward to some to speak of femininity. Yet, ask most people on the street what femininity is, and few can even define it. True. And, and don't you think that that's so true? Like, femininity is looked down upon. Like, that's a bad word. You right. I think a lot of times we use feminine as a negative adjective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're so feminine. And so, right. so we need to start with first defining it. And what it, so when we talk about femininity, what does this mean? Yeah. So Donna says, the root of the word feminine is a term that refers to the biological functions of women, namely conceiving, bearing, feeding, and nurturing children. So that's the physical part of feminine. But there's also a spiritual side of feminine. And one of our church leaders, um, James E. Faust, said, Femininity is part of the God-given divinity within each of you. It is your incomparable power and influence to do good. You can, through your supernal gifts, bless the lives of women, children, and men. So femininity is not only physical, it's spiritual as well. 
It's part of, and Donna says this, our inner feminine core is a gift from God to each of his daughters. So it's also spiritual. It's a spiritual side of us as well. Right. And she says, the gift lies in the design of our bodies and the capacities of our hearts to be yeah. a helpmeet and a mother nurturer. Therefore, the fem- therefore, femininity is both spiritual, the heart, and biological. Which I like that. Yeah. And so that's, so when we're discussing, we're talking about femininity, why it's important, how it works, the, how we return to femininity. We're talking about, first of all, just the fact that biologically, um, how we are created, but also our divine nature and the gifts that our heavenly father has given us as women. Yes. To be feminine. Yeah. Um, And so as we have been discussing this, we've also been talking about the idea of counterfeits and how, um, and I'm going to read this because I think she sums it up really well. This is in a talk from um, Ida Smith um, titled The Lord as a Role Model for Men and Women. And she says, but as is true with most good things, Satan has devised a counterfeit to God's plan for women. As we, and as we have watched the growth of the women's movement in the hands of the world, we have been aghast at some of the excesses and directions it has taken. Whereas God wants us to know that men and women are of equal value and importance, the devil, subtly changing the truth, would have us believe that we are not different, but the same. And um, Kim just brought this up actually this morning. She, she has this in a book that she was reading. And this was... Um, this was a talk given in 1980. Yeah. But I think it, it, that kind of sums up the whole reason we're talking about this is that right. there is a counterfeit to femininity. There's a counterfeit to the idea that God has a plan for women. Yeah. And that it, by this subtle change and saying, instead of saying, Heavenly Father, our like our father in heaven made us men and women different, but complementary to each other. Yeah. No, instead what we're hearing is that we're not different. We are the same. Yeah. And that is, um, I think incredibly, um, destructive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we know that to every good thing, there's a counterfeit out there that Satan tries to to deceive us in thinking is the real thing, like the difference between love and lust. Love is the real thing. Lust is the counterfeit. And so um, it's important for us to understand um, what our real roles are and what femininity really is versus what the counterfeit is that's out there. And that's why we think it's so important to talk about femininity, femininity today (laughs) and taking it back to, and kind of our whole, the whole, our whole stance is that men and women have divine and distinct roles. And these are given to us from a heavenly father who loves us and who understands a greater plan than we, than we have in our, you know, in our limited ability to, yeah, to see and um, so we see this counterfeit coming through and I could do, man, I could spend a whole, we could do a whole conversation just on counterfeits, just yeah. on um, 
I, <laughs> but we won't because we're going to try and keep this one within the, um, within our time limits. But let's talk about how we have seen this counterfeit evolve um, from initially, yeah, um, from God creating us to be a help meet and what that means to be a help meet and how that has evolved. And so we have um, in Genesis, this is in 2.18, um, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. That, so this is important. This is the basis. This is, the, this is from the beginning, okay? So God created man, then he created woman, and he said, The woman is the help meet. And I think that has gotten, there's some confusion and misunderstanding. And what, what does that mean? Yeah. And so first we're going to talk about what God really meant by help meet, and then we'll talk about the counterfeit. So um, Donna Goff says that, let's see, the King James English is a rough translation of two Hebrew words, Ezer Kenegdo. Christian counselor John Eldridge says the word Ezer is used only 20 other times in the entire Old Testament. And in every other instance, the person being described is God himself. When you need him to come through for you desperately, a better translation, therefore, of Ezer would be life lifesaver. Sorry, this kind of help is not a mere assistant or servant, but means to give succor, running to give aid and encouragement. And then she says that according to Rabbi Rutman, Kenigdo in this case literal means against him. This is not about contention and fighting, but be, but about being complimentary, tempering and refining. The kind of help that brings out the best in men. Women can be a calming and refining influence that help bring out the higher godly nature of men in their lives. In other words, a modern Ezer Konegdo that bandages up his physical, emotional, and spiritual wounds and gives him encouragement before sending him back out the door the next day to fight the dragons in the world. Um, so, so we've got help meet, and the translation is Ezer Konegdo. And yeah. Ezer Konegdo is this idea of a complementary... Like yes. lifesaver and doing something that they, for somebody that they cannot do themselves. Right. I like that. I think that's beautiful because as we are that for our husband, he is that for us as well. Exactly. How we're, beautiful we're, talking is that? About, we're talking about complementary, distinct, different, complementary. Yes. Um, and neither one being more important than the other. Right. And this is, so when we go back to this and th what this reminds me of right now is the importance of understanding, like when, why we talk about classics, one of the keys, classics, not textbooks, why we go back to original works, why we study in original right. intent and yeah. gosh, coming back to help meet and looking at a Hebrew translation and looking at yeah. what did these words mean? completely it's like it illuminates yeah th this wordage that has gotten so um muddled muddy yeah yeah in our modern interpretation of it right and, yeah so that brings us to the counterfeits of what um um Ezra Kenigdo really is so instead of being um a help meet 
we have changed it to being a helpmate, which is more like a servant. So we see that time and time again where um, women just feel like they're the servant of their husband and that's all that they're good for is to, they think that that's their role to just clean house and, and be the servant, which is not our purpose. Um, then there's being an object or a playmate. We can see that in our society too. Um, this idea that we have to look a certain way and dress a certain way in order for our husbands to love us, in order for us to find somebody that will love us, that we have to be this perfect ideal. And then there's also the idea of a co-mate, and that's a competitor, um, where we're in competition with our husbands, and that's a counterfeit as well. And so, go like so. We we start with help meet right? Where we've just described this mm -hmm. life giver, this perfect companion and, um, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, Mutually complimentary. I don't yes, know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, this partnership that, that yeah. comes from that to, to being a helpmate. Well, there, I, so if you, if you, transit if you look at this scripture and you say oh god made me a helper to add right. like oh so i'm a helper to right. my husband i'm there to to yeah. serve yeah. him or to help him to to do things for him that's a completely different connotation yeah and we see it in movies like the stratford wives and in the time period um where women were just you know trained to to keep house for their husbands while their husbands had these careers and they're just supposed to stay home and, and do nothing but clean the house and wait on their husband hand and foot. And I think that that's what led to modern feminism, the modern feminist mu movement was they're like, we're tired of just sitting home um, waiting on our husband's hand and foot. Then we, so we had feminism that said, we're the same as men. We don't have to wait on them anymore. Well, and going back to when we were talking about um, stateswomanship and our desire, we have an instinct. We have uh, this maternal, what, did, what were we calling it? This um, feminine, maternal am, feminine ambition, maternal, maternal, maternal ambition, ambition, right? That, there was, you go. that was maternal instinct and feminine ambition yes. um, mixed together. And if you are, if you are, if you've lost your feminine ambition and all you have is, well, this is, I'm very limited in my scope of what I can do. Right. That's going to leave you feeling unfulfilled. Right. And you want something more. And, and if you don't understand how to fulfill that, yeah, then you would fall for the trap of a counterfeit that, Oh, how you find fulfillment and how you, how you can, um, how you can have success is by becoming like being a man. Yeah. Maybe not being a man, but being able to. Well, yes. Proving that we're the same as them. And so, yeah. Right. Seeking those things that, um, those roles that men have that give them that fulfill their roles, then rather yeah. than fulfilling our own roles, then we see, Oh, I, I need to be more like him. Yeah. And that becomes the challenge. So that's in that. And then that leads the co to the competitor. Right. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's exactly what I was going to say. We have this, 
this, um, what's, I'm, I'm lost. Natural from. cycle kind of. Yeah. Um, it's a slippery slope. So we, okay. we start here and then we go to help mate to play mate and saying, Oh, I need to be a different, you know, a certain size. I need to look away a certain way. If I, if I'm not, then, um, I'm not going to be attractive enough if I don't do these things. Um, and then, which then creates a resentment of, Oh, right. you know what? Guess what? I don't have to be that. I can actually be just as, um, I don't have to do that for you. I can, I can do right. this for myself. I don't need you. I can yeah. do this for myself. Ooh, yeah. That, that brings us to that idea of being a competitor and even into a superiority. Not only can I do it myself, I can do it better. Yeah. I don't need you at all. Right. Yeah. So the next thing, are we ready to move on to the next thing? Yeah, I was actually, I'm going to read this. This is from um, back to the Ida Smith things when she says, the Lord's way is for men and women to become like each other. Only as we take upon ourselves, the savior's universal traits, the devil's way would be for us to become a unisex society. We must be careful not to confuse the phony with the real thing. And that, that's yeah. think of that idea of, I can be just like you. I, I don't need to, yeah. that we, we are com- confusing the, we can be distinct and different and still yeah. together create a whole. Yes. And I think also there's this view out there of we want men to be more like women. We want, oh yeah, you know, in our trying to temper them, we've tried to make them into women, but then we're trying to make women into men. So you can see that that's, like it says, the devil's way would be for us to become a unisex society. That thereby nobody's fulfilling their role, their divine role. Um, as we should be. That that could be a whole interesting conversation, actually, when mm-hmm. we think about, and I've given us a lot of thought, raising sons is um, raising them to be strong men and raising them to stand up for what's right. And that um, that the, when the world says, no, that's not what we do, or that's not how it works, that they have inside them, they understand what their... Um, responsibility is, mm-hmm. as, but that would, would be a whole nother, a whole nother right. conversation. Well, and in Ida's um, talk too, it says the world has divided up character and personality traits and has labeled some of them masculine and some of them feminine. Nowhere does the Lord say that tenderness, kindness, charity, faithfulness, patience, gentleness, and compassion are female traits and should be exemplified by women only. And nor does he say that courage, strength, determination, leadership, and a willingness to fight, and if necessary, die for what is right, should be the exhaustive prerogatives of men. Yes. So, And that was so powerful to me because as we have studied and looked at this idea of femininity and we see, you know, this list of, okay, this is what it means to be feminine. And I say, but wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I have, I in myself, I see traits that are not so considered uh, feminine. Right. And how, how do you align those and being able to, I love this. And I feel like was so actually ahead of her time or so 
appropriate for now to that um, that where we want to come together, the part that says we want to be looking for the Savior's traits, we want to be yeah. following His example. It's through Him that we that we come to that apex. When you consider marriage and the relationship between a man and a woman being a triangle, and mm-hmm. and men and women at opposing angles with the savior at the apex mm-hmm. in the right terms. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad she's explaining that because she's explaining it much better words than I would be. But so they come together. We meet at the top where the savior is. And yeah. so we, as we become more like the savior and as the savior becomes the central focus in our lives, that's how we come together. That's yes. That's the unification. Yeah. That's very powerful. And so we need to kind of, I think it's important to put aside the stereotypes of what, um, Mm -hmm. what characteristics we're talking about and look at this and yet still embrace the idea that we have distinct roles. We have distinct responsibilities and we do have a divine nature Yes. And that divine nature, and we talked about this in one of, when we were talking about nurturing, and that the stereotype for nurturing is, you know, that super loving, super cuddling, <laughs> yeah, the, the stereotypical um, mother figure that right. maybe we don't all associate with. Yes. And that's okay. We still nurture in our own way. Yes. And that has that's what makes us distinct and and beautiful and yes. be able to bring to relationships what we have to offer. Yes. And as we fulfill our role and as our husband fulfills his role, then it's complementary and makes a whole. And as we each try to um, come closer to the Savior, then we come closer together. Yes. And as we understand our roles versus the counterfeits, then we know where our place is in our home and in our family and in our marriage and in society. And we can find fulfillment there when we are fulfilling the role the way God designed. And we can find that. We can, as we turn to our Heavenly Father and as we seek direction of who he wants us to be and how he wants us to um, live our life. We have things like the family, a proclamation to the world. We have the scriptures. We have, um, we have guides that we can use to help us. And then we turn to him and we say, okay, how do we fulfill these roles? How do you want me to live my life and he will answer us. He will put things in our lives that we can feel the spirit and we will identify as truths. And um, yeah, we are just going to expand our, um, our abilities and our, our path. Yeah, for sure. All right. So that takes us to our next topic. Um, Okay. In, the, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. 
And Donna says, God is pleased in the chastity of his daughters. He designed that the intimate experience between a man and a woman only be enjoyed within the bonds of marriage. Um, and then she says, too often in trying to keep daughters pure before marriage, parents convey the idea that intimacy is dirty or flirty. Then when a daughter marries, they try to convey the joy of intimacy. This can be too traumatic a change and can lead to avoidance of intimacy within marriage and serious marital problems. God designed men and women to complement each other, fit together, and become as one flesh. And we were designed with strong spiritual, physical, and emotional drives that would unite in the intimate union of becoming one flesh. This union is meant to strengthen and cement the marital bond. And I think this is important to discuss because, again, going back to the idea of counterfeits and also what we are being taught and what has become so commonplace in the world today that almost it is our um, archaic, is that the right word, that to suggest, and this is something we teach in our home, <clears throat> and we believe strongly, um, is that intimacy between a man and a woman should be saved until after marriage. Right. And that that is how God intended it to be. But because it's just because it's intended to be that way, we don't need to teach that um, where she says here, she says, if you convey as a parent that the idea of intimacy is dirty or filthy like that, what does, what does that give to our children? What is, what are we teaching them? And then right. to turn around and say, okay, but now that you're married, it's going to be great. Right. right. I mean, that's and, confusing. Right. And so we, we were talking about this, how, how do we teach that to our children, that that is a part of marriage and that um, that's something that you look forward to. And I think you need to have those discussions with your children. You need to say, this is, sex is reserved for marriage, but it is given to us to strengthen our marriages and to strengthen our relationship. And it's a beautiful thing in the right time and place. And that is after you're married. But um, I think that kids need to see parents showing um, physical affection in front of in front of their kids. Like um, my parents always um, hugged and kissed in front of us. Like as soon as my dad came in the door, he found my mom and gave her a hug and a kiss. And I had a friend that would come over and she would say, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe your parents kiss in front of you. I've never seen my parents kiss." And I would like my jaw would drop. Like <laughs> your dad doesn't come in every day and give your mom a kiss, you know. <laughs> Right. And I think it's important for kids to see that. Absolutely. It makes them feel, I think it makes them feel safe and secure in that they know that their parents love each other and that, that, you know, that that will be them one day. And the whole, I mean, this whole um, purpose of modeling behavior, you know, we talk about um, in keys of great teaching. Um, one of the, critical keys is you not them and that you set the example of where you want them to be and so in marriage as you're setting an example things like date night um time alone um the holding hands dancing in the kitchen um kissing just so that our children know that 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 relationship between a man and a woman um that's something that they can look forward to. They shouldn't be dreading it and they should understand the, um, the bounds in which it should be happening, but that it's something that they can look forward to. And I think on the reverse side too, like there's marriages out there where I think 
are based solely on the sexual relationship. Like that's what the marriage is based on, which a marriage can't survive if that's all it's based on either. So true. And so our kids get this warped sense from, I think, you know, TV and modern culture that, that you need to have sex with the person before you get married to know if it's going to be good to know if you're going to survive the marriage. And that's the opposite. Like we have the two ends of the spectrum you, in a culture that's so focused on sex. Um, yeah, exactly. The counterfeit that that's the, yes, that, that's yeah. what the marriage is for. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, but like she says that, that that is used to strengthen the marital bond. That is yep. one part of your marriage. It's not your whole marriage. Right. And it's, but used, it should be a part of it should be a part of your marriage. Right. And it's used to unite. It's used to, right. to bring you together. It's um, yeah. All right. So then that brings us to, um, see what we're going to talk about here that this um the mother nurture is feminine influence born out of a feminine heart um and so now as we talk about what about how does a woman fulfill her femininity how does she fulfill her her mother um nurture and this feminine influence if she doesn't have children how does that how how does that fit into this model? And this, okay, so I hear this a lot. I'm just, um, oftentimes I'll post a, a picture or quote or something and I get feedback that, well, not everybody has that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that becomes the question of, well, so should we still talk about it? Should we still, should we still discuss the idea of, of what, how things could be, should be, um, Mm -hmm. how God wants them to be. If not, everybody has them. Right. Are we going to hurt feelings? Um, if, right. If we talk about mothering and nurturing and marriage, um, how, how, first of all, let me say this, how do we include those that don't fit the norm? Right. How do we make sure that we aren't um, being insensitive to those who would love to be married or would love to have children and don't, right. or those that come from a family and would love to have a family with a mother and father who have um, a beautiful relationship, an example that you can follow, mm-hmm. but don't. And this is, I, I would hope that nobody listening um, or that would, that who knows Kim and I would think that we are saying and this is how it needs to happen for every family and every person. And this is a black and white world. Right. Because um, we certainly understand that there are so many different circumstances. And what we are talking about and what we are sharing is, is God's plan. But even God understands that within his plan, we all have agency and sometimes others' agency takes away our own um, ability to have things that we want, and that um, that there are there are still ways that 
um, everyone can participate in his plan. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. And so God has given women a role in society and in our families, and he's given us this divine nature. And the awesome thing about being a woman is that it doesn't have to be limited to our own family or our own children, that we can use those gifts. Um, to, we can nurture other people. We can other people's children. Um, it doesn't have to be exclusive to our own family. It's part of who we are, not how many children we've had. Right. And think about, to me, one of the great, you know, we have this amazing example of Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa did not have children. She was not in a marriage. She, but she fulfilled this role of nurturer and right. savior and life giver to yeah. those around her. And, and not only was she not limited by what she didn't have, she actually created the most beautiful gift to people and became such an example to people yeah. around her because she was fulfilling this role that, that she was given her divine, this divine nature. Yeah. And Donna Goff says single and married women have mothered humankind from the beginning. Our mother nurture, our mothering influence can soften and refine others around. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Let me go back. Our mothering influence can soften and refine others around them. And in part of what makes and is part of what makes women feminine and what helps make civilization civilized. Women have often used their innate femininity to nurture, refine, and bless others. I love that sentence or that little part of that sentence. The one sentence. that I murdered? <laughs> yes. <laughs> she says, what helps make civilization civilized. Right. That we have this vision. We have... We can see the big picture in a way that um, I think is a gift to us. And yes. by implementing these, um, our role, we can help temper society. We can, yes. we can become... Um, Through our nurturing, which includes teaching and guiding, that all plays into it. And, and Donna goes and gives just a huge list of women who um, who have fulfilled, yeah. you know, who are oh. examples of this. I can hurry and mention some of them. Um, Gladys Alward, who is a missionary, Florence Nightingale, Pollyanna, Louisa May Alcott, Molly Pitcher, um, Sarah Bush, Johnson Lincoln was the stepmother of Abraham Lincoln, Joan of Arc, Christy Huddleston, if you're familiar with the book Christy, um, Mother Teresa and Queen Victoria are all ones that she mentioned. Yeah, and if you study any of them, you're going to find these examples of of femininity and women fulfilling their role. Right. So then, um, why is femininity crucial? Should we talk about that? Yeah. Um, so Donna says, the feminine attributes of mother nurturing also include the mother providing the love, nurture, and encouragement to the father of her children. Husbands and fathers need the support, romance, and encouragement of their wives as well. Women and their mother nurturing can have a civilizing, refining, and softening effect on their children and husbands, and thereby society as a whole, which is basically what we just talked about. Um, but and then, and then she says... 
Um, the modern feminist movement has made much noise about the drudgery of women's work in the home. What is often overlooked is that most of men's work is tedious and unglamorous as well. Right. And this makes me think again about the counterfeit, like the counterfeit of work, Mm -hmm. right? Like the idea that, um, Oh, there's an article called um, by Mortimer, Mortimer Adler, the invitation to the pain of learning. And that if we make learning, to, we, we try to make learning easy and learning right. isn't easy. It's actually hard. And when we try to make life easy, we're missing the things that strengthen us and make us um, right. stronger. And we see this in nature. Um, like if a, if a, when a little chick is born and he has to peck through the shell mm-hmm. and if you crack the shell for them, you are, they're going to be at a disadvantage because coming out of that shell, that work is what helps them have the strength to live. Right. Same with butterflies coming out of cocoons mm-hmm. and, and this. So when we have this, when society tells us, that we shouldn't have these kinds of work this you know like it's mm-hmm. glamorous we have it's drudgery there should we should be replacing it with something else that makes me a little skeptical like right. okay replacing that, it with what right and that our job as moms should be easier that we're now we're in competition with our husband because i worked harder than you today or you know right and guess what life's just hard yeah. And if anybody's telling you something different, like it, yeah. it is just hard. And and mothering is hard, parenting is hard, marriage is hard. It's yeah. fulfilling and it's wonderful and it gives us our greatest gifts. But yeah. isn't that the truth of all things that in life are difficult? Yeah. And to the to the extent that it's difficult is to the extent that it's brings happiness and joy. Like if you, if it's only a little difficult, it can only bring a little joy, but (laughs) if it's really difficult, then it can bring a lot of joy. It's just the way it works. Yes. There's no getting around it. And so, um, so I don't have a lot of patience for the idea of, oh, well this, this it's woman's work or, um, right. bringing this negative connotation to work and changing diapers and staying up all night and um, some of the thankless things that we do um, because those are actually the things that bring us the greatest joy. Right. Would we love our children as much if we didn't have to sacrifice them for them as much? I mean, that's, I think what brings all the love in, I mean, you sacrifice for nine months to bring them into the world and you see them and you just love them so much. And, and then all the sacrifice and the work that you put into them day after day after day, those are the things that cement you to them. Those are the things that bind you and make you love your children and the work that you put into your marriage and the work that, you know, serving your husband, um, I'm not talking about being his servant. I'm talking about, right. you know, true service, true service. Those right. are the things that, that bind you to your marriage and bind you to your husband and the people that you love. You always love somebody more that you've served. And isn't it so like crazy that for you to say, like when you say serving your husband and then immediately be like, Oh, are people going to say, Oh, right. you're serving <laughs> your husband. But right. in fact, why? Yes. Yes, I yes. am. And guess what? He serves me right back. 
Yes. Like, isn't that the whole point? You've got a marriage where two people come together and they each give 100%. Yeah. This isn't, there is no 50-50 happening here. It's not, I'm going to do half and you do half. It's, I'm going to do it all and you will do it all. And together, you're going to create something amazing. Mm. And you have to be vulnerable in the beginning to say, yeah, I'm going to give 100%. I'm going to give my all to you. I'm going to put your needs before my own to make you happy. But in doing so, that other person does the same back for you. So it's so you're both getting your needs met because you're both giving. Right. And it can't be, I expect you to give, 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 give to me, and I'm going to get and give a little to you So that, because I don't feel like my needs are getting met. It has to be 100, 100. You each both have to be giving 100. Right. And, and so that brings us to how do we come back to femininity? How do we, how do we um, find examples? How do we, yeah. how do we bring this back? And right before we talk about that, I want to read one more thing that Donna said. She said, femininity of women is vital and necessary to the fullest expression of the masculinity in men as masculinity in men is necessary to the fullest expression of femininity in women. And that's this yin yang circles that we were just talking about. As you fulfill your role and you give your hundred percent in the way that you can, in the way that God designed you to, and the way that the the husband fulfills his role to the best of his ability in the way God designed him to only both then when you are both fulfilling your roles, can you each, truly manifest your, um, your traits yes. because as the husband provides and protects, and then the, that allows the woman, the wife to be able to nurture in the way that she's supposed to nurture. And if the woman's, um, not fulfilling her role, then the husband can't fulfill his role as well. Yep. So it's a site. It's a circle. <laughs> it's, it's a circle. It is, it is, a whole, it is this complementary, it is all of these things that we have discussed from the beginning of this podcast. In each one we have talked about, this isn't about us being the same um, and trying to do what somebody else is doing. It's about, it's about fulfilling our own unique role. Right. And then as they fulfill their role, we come together and create something that, that is, yeah is absolutely God-given and divine. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do we return back to femininity? How do we um, find what true femininity is versus the counterfeit? And first, I think we have to recognize what true femininity is. That's why we're talking about it. You have to... um, if you're not f- familiar with what true femininity is, and to you it's just being a helpmate or a playmate or um, what was the other one? Competitor. A co-mate. Co-mate. There you go. If that's all you've seen and that's all you know, then it's hard to, to know what true femininity is. And so then that takes us into what we've been talking about all along where every time our discussion comes back to, read the scriptures and read the classics because in them you will find the examples that you need. Yep. And um, like Amy was saying, like we, and I'm the same, she was, when we were going through um, 
our pre-run of the podcast, she was saying how she likes to go to Target and look at all the books, but that she's super wary of the modern books out there as I am because I've been burned too many times. But (laughs) but if you go to the classics, they've stood the test of time. And that's because, as we talked about in our other podcast, um, the classics are the case studies of human behavior and what brings happiness and what does not bring happiness. And we can see in there examples of women fulfilling their divine role in the way God designed. And we can see examples of when women don't and where it leads. And we can see the consequences of over years of making decisions combined into one book that we can read in a few hours. And so that's why it's so important to read and study. And it gives us a big picture. It gives us that sometimes we can be lost in our own lives because we're, we're, living the day to day. And when you can see it in a big Mm -hmm. picture and you can see somebody else going through it, then you can identify. And especially if you're going into it with the question and you're asking, how do I, how do I become more of who my heavenly father wants me to be? And I promise Mm -hmm. you when you ask him that, and when you go seeking the answers, he will help you find the answers. He's going to teach you. um, And he's going to share with you how you become the greatest you and fulfill that and find joy and fulfillment um, in those roles. He's going to teach you how to do that. And our, we have a, um, in December, so we've got the rest of the year planned out. We're going to be discussing a few more articles, but um, we want to invite you to start reading Laddie, a true blue story by Jean Stratton Porter. Yeah. Um, it's an incredible book. We're going to do a podcast on it in December, and then we're going to have a colloquium where we're gonna, we would love for you to come read the book, um, listen to the podcast, and then come have a discussion with us. A live so, discussion? Yes. Yep. <laughs> and we can meet you, and we can talk about this. And Laddie is one of those books that um, covers so many important principles about education, family, mission, um, work. There, I, it just covers mm-hmm. so much. You have to get past the first two chapters, which took me two years. I'm not even joking. Like I, <laughs> I read this for two years before I even like finally pushed through and read it. And it has become like one of my favorites, but I'm yeah, just warning you. She's very descriptive. Mm-hmm. And um, spends a lot of time. She's like a botanist, so she describes yeah. like every plant. So if you, if that's not for you, skip over the descriptions of the plants. But the story is so good, and and little sister is the hero of the story. But we want you to focus on the mother mainly, and yeah. and really pay attention to whenever the mother's in the story, and the relationship between the husband and uh, yeah the father and the mother. Yeah. I, it's everything, everything about it. So, so get it. You've got a couple of months to read it. We're going to mm-hmm. be um, discussing it in December and um, we'll, we'll keep you updated on how that's coming. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, um, do some study, um, some personal study and do some reflection on, um, on you and your family and your role and how things are, are going. Mm-hmm. Um, and And spend some time in prayer. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Spend some time in prayer. Ask Heavenly Father to show you um, what your roles are, what your role is, and how you fulfill that in your family. 
And I just want to um, read this quote by Ida Smith again. I'm going back to her article again. She says, some women complain that they have no strong role models in the scriptures. That is not true, for we have many. And our main model is the same for men, the Savior. Nor is it written that he is a model for men only. Nor is it written that he came to save men only. Nor is it written that men and women should each be allowed only half of his traits. And so he is our role model. And and as we become more like him and as we study him more, um, we'll find greater fulfillment in our families. And studying him can only bring greater love and peace to our lives and to those around us as we study more about him. So, Amen. Exactly. That's it. That's what, that's what this is all about. So thank you for listening. Thank you for for being a part of this. Um, Leave us feedback. Um, Send us, send us comments. We love your texts and your messages and, and yeah, we love hearing from you. Thank you so much for all the little texts and messages we get. It's it's why we're doing what we're doing. So, all right. Until next time, we won't be another month. (laughs) Hopefully. Bye. Bye.